entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, uh, this is Chris Cooper. I hope you are well and uh, welcome to today's show. And today we're going to talk about efficiency, about focusing on discipline to achieve more. Now, if you have any questions or feedback about today's show, then feel free to write this on my wall at facebook.com slash be more achieve more or email info at be more achieve more.com and we'll do our very best to answer your questions and respond. Um, firstly, though, I'd just like to say thank you again to Angie Egan for last week's show. Um, about romancing the customer. It's always really useful, I think, to focus on how can, you can improve your customer relationships. And, and I thought the metaphor of romance was, was really you know, insightful, and um, for me it was quite unique. So today, um, the, to, the, to date the show has followed a pattern which mirrors a product I have on my site called How to Be More, uh, How to Achieve More. Each show adds key components to the success jigsaw and the steps in that program. And today's show, I think, is a really important link on that journey. Being efficient with your time and your energy it can have an enormous impact on your productivity. It can literally make the difference between success and failure. Now, I picked up a, a magazine earlier, and there was a quote in it by uh, probably an unlikely source. It was actually by a guitarist who used to be in Guns N' Roses, and he'd said, when you're rolling your rock up the mountain, it's hard work. Then you get to the peak, and the thing rolls away from you. You lose control. Now, uh, clearly when we're really, really um, trying to move towards a vision, it can be like rolling a rock up a mountain. It's really hard work and we've got to be really efficient with our time uh, to get up there as quickly as we can. And, and then when we get to a situation when the floodgates open, uh, then really managing our efficiency is also very important uh, too. And it can really make the difference between success and failure. We can achieve so much more when we're efficient. Uh, a key characteristic of very successful people is that they've learned to do well some of the things that less successful people just don't like doing. And efficiency is one of those things. By improving our efficiency and giving it focus with the help of self-discipline and proven techniques, we can achieve so much more. As someone who's always working on turning my personal chaos into order, meeting the guest on this show, Mike Pagan, for me was a turning point. Now, Mike is one of Europe's leading speakers and authors on efficiency and productivity. And he's going to help us by you know, discussing not only the cost of not improving our efficiency, but more importantly, how. If you want to improve your efficiency and achieve more, then listen carefully. And I'm sure you'll learn um, some useful points uh, that are really valuable from the show. Mike is a professional, inspirational and motivational MC um, and conference speaker. Um, I know that because I've seen him on a number of occasions, and he's very, very good. And he's also the Managing Director of Breaking Frontiers Limited. He talks on key business issues such as productivity. 
Also, stop faffing about, which we'll explain more about that uh, later. Measuring marketing effectiveness and clients are for life, not just for profit. He's also the author of, of a book called Faff, which means the false art of feeling fulfilled. He lives in Warwickshire in England after he spent several years living in Australia and he's married with three children. So, Mike Pagan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, nice introduction. I couldn't have written it better myself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, my, actually, my well, first thing I want to ask, looking at the bleak and breezy English weather today, um, do you wish you'd stayed in nice, warm Australia? Um, you, you may or may not believe this, but uh, um, when you get dragged up in, in Britain, you actually get to a point where things like frosty mornings are, at, are, are something you miss when you live in a hot climate. So, uh, aside of family and history being key things that brought us back to the UK, strange things you did miss was waking up on a frosty morning and sort of watching your breath blow out uh, in front of you and just stamping your feet to keep warm. It's, when you don't have it, strange things happen, you miss it, but uh, that's not the reason why we came back. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I can, I can remember working in Sydney uh, during the wintertime and uh, we did have frost. So, uh, uh, I was in Perth in Western Australia where it tends to be a little bit hotter than Sydney. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, Mike, let's talk about efficiency and you know, focusing on discipline to achieve more. What do you mean by it? What, what, uh, what does it mean to you? Well, for, for me, uh, efficiency is about uh, it's, it's more than time management. Time management is something where uh, you, you'll bring in sort of Covey language and other areas where uh, how do we do our to-do lists and how do we get other things um, focused the whole time. But when I'm looking at efficiency, I, I'm looking at uh, the, the broad range of personal and professional productivity where everything we do actually it, it has, got a, has got a reason uh, and the things that we choose not to do are, are because we know full well they're not best usage of our time, effort, or energy. So it stops us uh, from doing things. Uh, I, I worked with a, a leadership group recently, and I, the language I use there, it stops you from doing things below your pay grade, which is a nice twist because uh, we all get caught up in so much of the doing and some of the time, actually, that's not best usage of your time. Uh, it, that's not best usage of your efforts. Other people could do that as well, if not better, if only you let them do so. Yeah. So, so I could certainly see that in an organization. What about the, the one-man band then in a, in a business who might have to do a lot of those things themselves? Yeah, well, it, it, as uh, I work as an independent, uh, I have uh, a large number of people I work with as part of a virtual team. Uh, so there are times when I uh, spend quite a bit of time working as a lone wolf. And for me, it's, it's not my um, natural instinct. I, I, I bounce off people uh, and work better with other people around me. So when you get to that point of, uh, am I the best person to be fixing this? Well, not always the case. Uh, and it, it's that catch-22 between, is there budget to employ somebody else or to outsource it? Or am I actually uh, going to have to bite the bullet and do this myself because it, it's so much easier? And uh, for, for people new in business, when they're used to having the uh, accounts department, the IT department, the uh, design department, whatever else that they just go to and something is done, um, that, that's quite a, a quantum change. And we really have to be very, very selfish and specific about the things we do do. And just as importantly, the things we let go or um, 
let others do on our behalf because it's it's not best usage of our effort. Uh, I think that's a really good point, and I certainly myself coming out of the corporate world, I felt that transition into running my own business. And what I've realized is that actually building a virtual you know team around you is really important. And and for me, it's I'd actually now rather than pay myself a, a bit extra each month, I'd rather um, you know give that to somebody else to do some things that are not the best use of my time so I can spend my time on on things that are of higher value. Yes. Uh, so. And I, I mean, you compare that to, uh, sort of, if you look at the hourly rate of a virtual assistant for a small business, or you're looking at uh, what it costs you to have other people out there, versus what, as an organization, you can gross uh, on a daily basis or a project basis. And, and it's, it's vast, the difference. And we're just um, uh, big borrowing and sealing from one place rather than focusing on the bigger picture, which is uh, where we want uh, everything running smoothly without us having to take control of absolutely every single minutiae. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what do you think are, are the symptoms then of not being efficient? Well, quite simply, uh, you get to 12 o'clock. So picture the scene. It's, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you're in the office, so you might have had an hour-long commute, uh, or maybe you just put your slippers on and walked across the landing. Uh, but either way, you're there. And so over the next four hours, you're at work. So it's now 12 o'clock. The question is, what have you achieved during those 12 hours? Uh, okay, well, I've answered 13 emails. I've uh, made three phone calls. I had a half-hour meeting with Paul and with Claire. Uh, and um, then I got invited by a friend to connect on LinkedIn. And I saw that he's got a friend who's a friend who used to work with um, George and uh, Jose in the previous company. And, and suddenly, you just drift. And so what actually happens is after those four hours, you, you, you reflect back and you can see that, well, I did two and a half hours of productivity there, but an hour and a half of it, I really can't allocate to any job task or effort that I should have been doing. And that's where suddenly we are leaking effort. We are leaking uh, resources because we're not making best usage of the resources that are available. So, so this, is a, this is a bit, a little bit like the session we had uh, a few weeks ago about following through with your intentions and, and uh, our minds wandering um, off the big picture. This is about you know, some discipline that keeps us focused on the big picture as opposed to drifting off. Well, the, the, you use the word discipline there, which is a really uh, poignant word. Now, discipline scares people uh, because we think of it from the military or from school days or whatever else. But it, it's a key thing, and um, it depends on your personality type as to whether or not you can accept this. Uh, I'm a sort of, uh, I'm a big picture person. I, I don't get down into the detail. Um, and then when I'm under stress and pressure, I get caught up in detail and I forget to use my creative mind. And it, it's just how I work. But I know that um, if, if I work with a schedule, whoa, yes, a schedule in advance. Now, we all know when we've got appointments uh, in the diary, sort of meetings, uh, and um, uh, follow-up sales calls or whatever it happens to be. Those get allocated. But then around that element in your diary or your calendar, there's, there's these big voids, these big gaps, and all the time is used up. But if you were to actually schedule the amount of time per week you're going to spend on X and the amount you're going to do on another subject, you would achieve so much more. And it's to the point of actually having a stopwatch going. So you know that I've, I've allocated half an hour to write this proposal for Chris Cooper because he's asked me to. Um, okay, well, that's half an hour. 
Now, if, I, if that lands up taking three hours, then something else has got to be sacrificed because there's two hours that have vanished. And that's where the discipline of being selfish with your time, selfish with your team's time and resource, because otherwise we just hemorrhage cash and we hemorrhage profitability all over the place. So, so is this back to the, you know, the 1970s you know, studies of, of time, you know, the time motion studies that used to happen, or is this something smarter? Well, it's, it's, it's more understanding where you, your personal productivity is, is most potent. Yeah, there are times when um, we are better at different times of the day, for example. Uh, there are elements where really we're just not in the zone today for whatever reason. We're just not there. Now, in, in, the, in the UK, they have a, 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 an issue with people taking duvet days, which just basically means I've been a really, really good worker. So now I'm going to have a day off sick. <laughs> but I'm just uh, but the company's got it allocated as a duvet day. And it's it's it feels like nonsense, but it's it's absolutely true. It happens. And from my perspective, it's, it's taking the counter to that, whether you be in a small business or a blue chip multinational, there are times when you are totally firing and you are the best person to be around for work purposes. And there's other times where really it's just not working. And we need to be forgiving of ourselves to understand that actually eight o'clock in the morning is not my best time. I'm better off working at eight o'clock at night because I'll achieve so much more. And when we're with our teams, we need to understand the, uh, the, the, the traits and personalities of the people that work with us and for us so that we are more forgiving of them when uh, we're trying to get them to do stuff that just doesn't suit their style or personality. Uh, Mike, before we, we've got about a minute, I think, before we go into a commercial break, but I just wondered what you think this, these duvet days and this loss, leakage of productivity is, is costing you know, businesses and organizations. I, I think it's costing huge amounts. Uh, if, if you can improve the productivity of an individual just by 20 minutes every day, you'll gain two weeks productivity a year. Now picture that over a sales force or a team of 25 personnel only, and you get each one of them to improve their productivity by 20 minutes every day, that's a salary saved per year. So 25 people improve their productivity by 20 minutes per day, and it will save you the equivalent of a salary per year. Wow. Well, I shall leave that thought, and we'll go into the commercial break, and we'll be back shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business channel have you planned for your retirement yet if you are a public sector employee perhaps not studies have shown that employees of schools educational institutions governments nonprofits and public safety may lack the information they need to effectively prepare for retirement for the answers you need tune in to lessons in retirement retirement planning for public sector employees with host Jim Bishop broadcasting live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time 1 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel it's sure to pay off in your future. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time right here on the bottom line in business talk voice america business when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network leave no stone unturned leave your fears behind and try to take the path less traveled by that first step you take is the longest ride you are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with my guest today, Mike Pagan, and we're talking about efficiency, about focusing on discipline to achieve more. So, Mike, I'm interested. Why is this such an important subject for you personally? Well, I I actually bill myself as the world's greatest expert in using up time, energy and resource because I'm brilliant at finding excuses and distractions that prevent me from doing what I should be doing or could be doing. Even to the point that on, on my uh, desk, just, in front, just behind the, the monitor of the computer, there's a poster that sits there. And it's, it's not in my eye line, but if I stray from the work that I'm doing, I will see it. And it says, stop looking for ways to distract yourself. <laughs> it, and it's, it's there because I am one of those people who uh, my mind is a bit of a butterfly. I spend a lot of time jumping from one place to the next. And I need these sort of disciplines in place to keep me true to what I could and should be doing rather than jumping around doing other stuff all over the place, which isn't best usage of my time, energy or resource. Excellent. So actually, by, by studying this and being, being an expert in it, it helps you to be more efficient. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I remember um, one of my uh, clients read the, the book uh, when it was first brought out. And his question was, uh, have you got OCD or something? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, uh, OCD being sort of that obsessive compulsive disorder where you sort of got lists and ticks and things all over the place because that's what you're advocating in, in the book. And I said, well, no, um, what, what I advocate in the book is you do a little bit of different areas when that is appropriate for you at that time. Yeah, so if you if you try to bring in all sorts of checklists and uh, um, accountability profiles and other things like that, all of the time you'd spend the whole time writing out lists and filling out forms, not getting on with what you really needed to be doing, which, again, would be uh, uh, futile in what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, actually. On my wall, I've got a quote by Seth Godin, and it says, it was from one of his blogs, and it said, the first five years of my solo business, when the struggle seemed never-ending, I never missed a day, never took a nap. I also committed to ending the day at a certain time and not working on the weekends. It cuts both ways. In short, show up. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and I find that helpful. <laughs> well, there's one actually that I've put up recently um, on, on the side of us. The most common five deathbed regrets, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is potent. I, yeah. I wish I'd had the courage to live life 
true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I uh, wish I didn't have to work so hard. The list goes on. Just but please uh, look it up on your search engines and, uh, and have a look. But it's, it's potent and makes you think. Those things are very, really powerful, aren't they? Mm. So are we talking about more than just time management here? Very much so. Very much so. Because time management is the, the discipline of your activities when you're talking between uh, eight and six, nine and five, whatever hours it is you work, uh, five days a week, seven days a week. That, that's very much the sort of what tasks to do, and it's very uh, operationally orientated. Um, this, uh, when I'm talking about efficiency, I'm looking at the bigger picture, uh, where part of it is obviously time management, but very much it's the productivity of where we're spending our energy. Do we understand where that energy is being used up, and are we working with sort of the right relationships and the right people throughout that whole process? Great. And, and, and I know you... I know you've written this book called FAF because we, we actually, I actually studied it with my Achiever program group, as you know, uh, about a year ago. And uh, uh, people found that it was, had some really good nuggets in there that could help us with our productivity. But it may just be helpful for people who are not from the United Kingdom and familiar with that term FAF just to explain what it means. Yes, no, uh, no problem with that. It's, it, it is a, a, um, a colloquialism, um, a bit of Britishness. Um, a lot of people use it. it, it I describe FAF as the, uh, the only four-letter word beginning with F that you can say to your grandmother uh, <laughs> and get away with it. Because uh, it, it fundamentally, it means the false art of feeling fulfilled. The false art of feeling fulfilled, which refers to just fiddling about doing stuff. Uh, my mother used to call it pootling around, yeah, where you're just sort of going from one place to the next. You, you're busy, you're, you're, you're not asleep. Uh, you're not staring at a, a television screen or whatever else. You're doing something, but you're just faffing about. And it's a phrase that's drilled into people in the UK a lot, where the parents turn around and say, look, Johnny, stop faffing about, will you, and get on with your homework. Well, that's, that's really sums up where faffing is. And then if you translate that into sort of uh, the business environment or grown-up adult environment, we know full well that we spend a load of time doing stuff that isn't best usage of our time and effort, and it's basically faffing about. Um, if we did less faffing about, we could have oh, a lot more fun, a lot more holidays, a lot more time off, because when we were actually in the zone, we'd be truly productive and making things happen. Just sort of leading on from there, um, can you tell us about the faffometer? Because I found that quite insightful. Well, the, the, the faffometer sort of it, it takes obviously from the language of faff, the false art of feeling fulfilled. And basically, it's a very, very high-tech piece of software equipment, or better known as an Excel spreadsheet or a timesheet to yourself. Now, the way the faffometer works, in simple terms, it's about you um, either borrowing some coloring pens from your children or your neighbor's children, or maybe going and buying some. And what you do is you color code all of your activities. Now, this does come into the time management category, but it's where you actually work out that blue is for sales, green is for HR, uh, orange is for troubleshooting, uh, uh, yellow is for team meetings. All the different activities that you do on a day-by-day -day basis, give them a color. But the one color you cannot choose is red, because red counts for faffing about. And as I described to you earlier, that sort of four-hour period uh, sort of where you did so much on your emails and your proposals and other activities in your normal working day, there was an hour and a half there we couldn't allocate. 
Now that would go down as faffing about. So you'd color that slot in as red. And you do this for uh, as long as you can. There are certain people I know who've managed it for a whole week because they get so embarrassed that the amount of red they're putting on the faffometer. And it's one of those areas where it's, the, to get the best out of this, you must never share it with anybody else. So that's one of the rules. Never share it with anybody else. Because when you get a 50-50 call or a 70-30 call of was that faffing about or wasn't it, and you're going to share it with your business partner, your wife, your husband, your employees, your boss, whoever it is, you will lie. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying you're all a bunch of liars. It's just human nature when we're faced with, shall I be 100% truthful or not? Well, if you ever share it with anybody else, chances are you might not. If you're never going to share it, it's just for you. It's for your personal development and growth. Then you will be honest with yourself, and it will be quite alarming at times. Uh, so so this, this is a tool that we, we look back, is it? Yes. Yes, you look, yes. So, you look back with it. So Yeah, so it's, it's reflective. If you think of it as completing a time sheet for um, a job, if you were a printer or a designer or something like that, you're used to selling time for money, um, then that's sort of the, the mentality there. But the focus is on you knowing and understanding where your effort is going and then understanding, well, hold on a second, this is where the leakage is. This is where my distraction problems kick in from. Hmm. Uh, and what about time... We, you know, we all kind of need little periods of time to mentally switch off and, and divert from kind of intense tasks. Yes. Is, do you count that as faffing time or is that... No, it, 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 the, the one point I always have to put in here is that not all faffing about is bad for you because you do need time to reflect. The, the reason for bringing this to the forefront of your mind is so that instead of us being a butterfly and jumping from one task to the next and not seeing everything through and forgetting other areas... This actually makes us think, am I doing the right areas? Am I doing the right jobs? Am I actually being busy in the right areas? Uh, because if we're not, and we are technically, in inverted commas, faffing about, then we should stop and do something else, or we should delegate it, or we should get it given to somebody who is better skilled or lower skilled on some roles that they can do it while you can then go out and earn the big bucks elsewhere. Mm. Uh, and what would you say for you know maybe people who are in organisations and and you know, I experienced it myself where you know, you've got some clear tasks that you want to do but people keep coming to your desk and you know, interrupting <laughs> your flow. Well, there, this is uh, um, one of the big issues where sort of can I um, I know a company I was working with this week and they they have a rule in their office you can't just come and ask a question you've got to come uh, if you need to ask a question then you come over and ask if you can ask a question. Well, that's already too late. You've interrupted them. <laughs> you've already interrupted them. Excuse me, Chris, can I ask you a question about X, Y, Z? Well, you've already killed my zone. Um, so, no. Um, so, I, I'm a firm believer in sticking the old-fashioned red flag on the top of your uh, monitor that says, get lost, I'm busy. <laughs> if, and if, if you need that time, or take it to a boardroom elsewhere, go separately. But there are, there are, there's areas where we just get distracted all over the place. One quick example I'll give you there is most of us or a lot of us have smartphones, the old Crackberries, the iPhones, whatever it is. Um, and the issue you have is you're staring at the computer in one direction and just out of the corner of your eye, in your peripheral vision, you see a green dot or a red dot or whatever color dot it is on your particular phone flashing. And it's saying you've got a mail, you've got a mail. How long before you pick up that phone and have a look? 30 seconds, a minute? We all do it. It's like a moth to the bright light. We have to pick it up. 
And the issue there is that causes us to be distracted, which takes us out of the zone of productivity that we were in. If that happens 10 or 15 times a day and it costs you one, two or three minutes to get back in the zone each time, well, I've just saved you a half an hour of productivity every day. And the way you do that is turn the phone over, put it on silent or even stick it in the drawer. Yeah, Simple things we do, but it can improve our productivity. So we are really focused more of the time than messing about doing stuff that just keeps us busy at best. Um, I used to work for a, a, a guy who only ever had one piece of paper on his desk. So he had everything in nice little folders and he'd do one, one thing at a time and it would get yes. put away. And I always marveled at him, actually. He, he was uh, so efficient um, with, his, with his time, but it really seemed to work for him. Well, there's a lady I know who's um, sales director of one of the top hotels in London. And um, she had a policy that if it came through the post once, she'd throw it in the bin. If it was important, it would come again. <laughs> How she monitored whether or not it had been through the first time, came through the second time, no, she was successful and continues to be so. Very good. Uh, well, okay then. Well, I think what we're going to do is move across to another commercial break now. So we'll be continue the conversation very shortly. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you really understand the global economy? The media paints a certain picture, but are you really getting the full story or only half of it? Listen to Strategic Wealth, Choosing Simplicity in Finance with your host, Stephen Ayer. This program will bring a full and objective look at the global economy and help you sort through the bias of traditional media so that you can completely understand today's economic theories and make the right decisions in your portfolio. Strategic Wealth airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leave no stone unturned, leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. 
That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with Mike Pagan, and we're talking about efficiency, about focusing on discipline to achieve more. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, um, about something called the Fafometer, but now, Mike, I'd like to talk about another concept that I know um, you think is uh, and see as being very important, which is something that you call presentism. What do you mean by that? Uh, presentism is is an illness that is uh, goes. It, it's a global illness as well. Um, it, I've, I've come across it with. Um, companies in the US and in Australia where when I was living over there and fundamentally what it is it's it's whose cars in the car park longest so if you remember the corporate days you arrive before the boss and you can't leave before the boss so you'll turn up at ungodly o'clock in the morning and leave late on and all you're doing there is just trying to prove that you're there rather than actually getting on with stuff and then you find people that are guilty of this get to the point where it's about four o'clock in the afternoon and suddenly they realize they haven't achieved anything. So they've got to work really, really hard until eight or nine o'clock at night um, just to justify what they're meant to be doing. Whereas actually they could have achieved all of that work in half the time had they actually been totally focused and productive. And probably had a lunch hour as well. Well, uh, or, or more. Now, saying that, lunch hours are very much a luxury in, in the, the private sector nowadays. Um, there are other parts of the, the working world where you can still have a proper lunch hour or lunch 45, but uh, more often than not, we spend the time sitting at our computers and uh, dropping mayonnaise down our keyboards. Mm. So are you an advocate of taking that break, if you can have it? A absolutely. It's, it's, it's down to the balancing point. There are times when we know that we are not being productive. Let, let me give you a classic example. This is a, a, a solicitor contact, and she worked for um, a, a legal firm where she was a, a, a junior partner. Um, and this is, to me, this is a really sad story because she would get into the office at sort of half six in the morning, and leave her spare jacket and her spare handbag and go back out and go to the gym. She'd return from the gym at half past eight with two coffees, one for her and one for her assistant and a couple of uh, muffins. Work really hard throughout the day, as you, one would expect, attending the meetings, client meetings, etc., etc., achieving loads. And then in the evening, she would leave the office with having left behind her spare jacket and her spare handbag again go to the theatre, go to the restaurants, go and uh, meet up with clients, meet up with friends, but always stop by the offices on the way home to collect her spare handbag and her spare um, jacket. And the senior partners who are very much old school, slightly stuffy uh, partners, not all are, but these, these guys in particular were, um, thought she was the best performer because of the hours she put in, even though she was unfortunately playing them like a fiddle. And that's why I call it a sad story because... It means we're just we're manipulating the figures to make it look good for the wrong reasons. And they're conning then. So it was, it was sad but smart to overcome this uh, illness of presentism. Yes, it was clever for her from one side, but it was very sad that she had to be there in the, in the first place, which from my perspective means she was in the wrong organisation. And so, uh, funnily enough, she didn't last there too much longer because she was offered better and greater elsewhere. Yeah. Good for her. So... <laughs> so mo moving on, uh, I know that uh, you think and believe, and, and I agree with you, that selecting your clients carefully is important. What are your tips here? Well, it, it's, it's all about the, the, having the right relationships and working with the right people that, uh, again, energize and reflect that positive uh, people on purpose that you're, you're talking about. 
And the language I use here is uh, um, the mood hoover. Uh, it, it, it translates uh, quite easily to the US when I start talking about the energy vampires or the dementors as of Harry Potter. Yeah, these are those negative people that no matter what's going on, they bring you down. Yeah, you could be absolutely brilliant. You could be achieving 101 things, but then you meet up with Claire, Mildred, George, whoever it happens to be, and they just turn this negative tap of uh, negativity and horribleness, and it just reduces your energy and stops you from wanting to be excited it just kills what's going on. And all because they were breathing. <laughs> yeah, they just happened to be there. And the chances are that many of you listening to this now are actually visualizing somebody in your lives. They could be a colleague. They could be an employee. They could, unfortunately, even be part of your family. And you know the people because when your mobile phone rings and you look down, when you, you pick up that cell and you're looking at the phone and it says whoever it is that's ringing, and your heart sinks. You're thinking, am I going to feel any better or worse come the end of the conversation than I do now? And if the answer is I will feel worse, then you send that mobile phone to, uh, to the answer phone, steal yourself and ring them back when you feel ready for it. Because all that's going to happen is they're just going to reduce your strength, your, your, the, what, your essence, what makes you brilliant. And you should just get rid of them and deal with them when you're in control, not when they are. Okay. Besides the uh, the mood hoovers, though, Mike, are, are we talking also about here about making sure that we we select clients whereby we can work with them very efficiently and very effectively, and they don't you know they don't sap our energy? Uh, what you know where the culture and the fit is right, so that as opposed to uh, having you know clients in our on our sort of portfolios. Who, who, where our hearts do sink and we, we invest lots and lots of time to please their whims. Is, this, is there something in that? that Absolutely. It's, it's an area where um, we, we're very uh, mindful of how we should be looking after members of staff and how we recruit them and how we look after them, how we retain them, how we redeploy them into different roles, if appropriate, for future career progression for them. And heaven forbid, we get rid of them if they don't fit, so we remove them. Picture, uh, contrast that with our client selection processes and more often than not we're making sure they're alive and they've got an ability to pay. Yeah? <laughs> That's the only selection criteria so you wonder why we have such poor relationships with many of our customers because actually we don't choose them correctly. We don't make sure that they will fit uh, the way we work. So we, uh, using my language we, we faff about with the wrong people. We mess about uh, with the wrong customers that aren't going to uh, work with us correctly. They're, they're going to be high maintenance, they're going to be tire kickers, they're just constantly going to be chasing us, uh, disrespecting our staff, disrespecting our payment terms, and in all, yeah, they may be, even be a nice brand that we want the name, but the relationship just isn't right for our business going forward. And at that point, we've got to make that brave commercial decision. Do they stay or do they go? If they stay, then we've got to tolerate their rubbish and work with it or do we get rid of them and spend that freed up energy and effort on the people that truly matter? Good. Uh, good, good point. So another thing I'm just thinking about is that, you know, we can also invest and spend a lot of time with, on networking groups and various organizations and personal community kind of things. Do you have a view on, you know, ensuring that we use our time efficiently in, in those kind of environments? 
Absolutely. Uh, and I know, I think it's your next um, uh, interview. You've got the, the networking gurus um, on, on the show, so they'll give you a lot more information than I would hear. But uh, when, when you focus in on the networking, yeah, it, if you are going to um, the opening of a front door just because it, it's a, an event that's going on, rather than being selective about the right pond where the right caliber of people are going to be there, that are going to be in tune with your energy, that are going to be in tune with your business desires and focus, uh, then you, your networking will achieve so much more. The number of businesses that I, uh, I know that don't respect networking as a marketing activity, uh, and therefore have to measure it, track it, and get a return on investment and understand where that effort is going. They spend the time just uh, kissing lots of frogs on the off chance that somebody might eventually one day buy what they've got. <laughs> that's random spray and praying it doesn't work um yes we'll we'll, we'll chat more about that on, on next week's show because i we we do have the the experts next week so that will be good we've got about three minutes till the next break mike so i just want to um i want to actually i'm going to ask you a question i've had a question come in which is a good one from um, somebody called, uh, called David Bassett who's a university lecturer and he's saying i'm constantly trying to build positive uh, trusting and supportive relationships with my students. Communication is key. I'm an old-fashioned communicator and prefer face-to-face -face lectures and tutorials. Yet, uh, students are increasingly turning to electronic communication tools such as emails and social media and web-based discussions to communicate with lecturers and tutors. This is placing even greater demands on my time trying to respond to the 179 daily emails. I hope he's, um, I hope he's, that's not an accurate number. Um, bless him. Any advice on how to, how to handle such volume of e-communication whilst continuing to develop positive relationships? So I guess we're talking here about you know, some tips to personally manage uh, when we're feeling you know, overloaded. Okay, like, a couple like of things. Um, one, uh, which uh, many of uh, your listeners will know, is to uh, ban internal uh, CC emails. Because uh, that's just empire building, and suddenly uh, within companies, you go, well, I'll just copy in Chris and Mike because uh, I want to cover my back that uh, I'm, I'm doing the right things. And that just, just fills everybody's inboxes with trash that they don't need. Uh, in contrast to that, though, uh, it, it's down to managing the expectations of the person that's sending you the email. Uh, quite often you'll find that somebody sends you an email and because once you responded fairly quickly because you happen to be in front of your computer, they now expect every time they send you an email that you're going to respond within 15 minutes. And uh, what I advocate is actually putting a, a, a type of service level agreement on your um, email responder that turns around and says, uh, we endeavor to get back within 24 hours. Um, and uh, obviously, if it is urgent, uh, we, we will be looking at our emails on a regular basis and pick those up and respond more swiftly where, where we can. Uh, and it just sort of douses down people's expectations that you're always going to respond immediately. Otherwise, the, the tail starts wagging the dog and you have, you're out of control. So this gentleman, uh, what, what do you say about 180 emails a day? I think that's probably about average nowadays, uh, and um, uh, certain organizations, they would get a lot more than that. And it's really understanding which of those are important, putting on more the selection criteria uh, around those to make sure that only the right ones and relevant ones are getting through to you. Uh, so if there's somebody sifting beforehand, so you only get the ones that are personally directed to you, if that's in your senior role, if it's a more junior role. Okay, it's, again, it's understanding which of those ones you should actually be dealing with uh, because uh, it, 
a lot of those 180 emails are going to be follow-up ones by other people impatiently expecting a response. Uh, and we have to manage their expectations and, and tell them we, we will get back to you in a certain timeline. Um, and sometimes it's a two-hour timeline is, is what you have to do. That's what you've got as an organization. Others make it longer. But either way, you, you've got to take control of that. Otherwise, uh, it can be very painful. And when you've got students, um, then yes, uh, the, a lot of them will have smartphones nowadays. So they'll be getting all that information all the time right in front of them and they expect it yesterday. So it's about um, being on the front foot and developing a strategy then. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Don't wait for them to tell you how they're going to do it. You've got to take control. Great. Well, I hope that answers your question, David. Thank you very much for sending that in. And we're going to go across now to um, another commercial break and we'll be back again with you very shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leave no stone unturned. Leave your fears behind. And try to take the path less traveled by. That first step you take is the longest ride. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper with productivity expert Mike Pagan, and we're talking about efficiency, about focusing on discipline to achieve more. Uh, Mike, I'm really interested in uh, also knowing how you prevent yourself personally from being inefficient with your time. You know, what are your top tips for people? Top tips for people? Well, getting um, the right team around you is probably my primary response here. There are always um, many things you can get from... Um, systems that you put in place, processes that you put in place to make sure that on, uh, by the end of every week you've done X, Y, and Z. Um, and when you've, uh, by tracking it, you know how often you're doing it and keeping it, uh, on top of it all. But the key one that's helped me the most was uh, 
setting up the accountability board uh, for myself and my business, um, that a group of specifically clever people, <laughs> no, that's, I'm being honest, they are clever people, uh, and we have mastermind groups. And for some of your listeners, I know masterminding will be very sharp. If not, please, please look it up and look into it further. Because when I set up my first mastermind group, I had five businesses involved, and we just beat the living daylights out of each other, mentally, not physically. But it meant that every time we met up, uh, the three or four things that had been committed to the previous month or in the previous meeting was always the first things we had on our ticked-off sheet of things we're going to do. And it's just so potent because it meant you're surrounded by people who haven't got any sort of um, axe to grind. They are there just to support and work with you. And they will challenge you. And when you come up with a harebrained idea that they can't see working, they'll tell you. And you've got to justify why is it going to work and how is it going to work. Uh, and that, for me, has been one of my greatest efficiency areas because it stopped me going off on tangents, stopped me spinning off in different directions and doing stuff that, in the big picture, wasn't ever going to help. At best, it was just going to keep me busy and use up my time, energy, and resource without actually giving me anything back out the back of it. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, powerful things, really important things. Have people hold you accountable uh, and... Uh, intelligent people who will um, will li listen and uh, support and have the knowledge and awareness to be able to yeah, help each other I think is really really important and uh, yeah, you definitely have to have respect for them <laughs> it's important that you with your organization do that I know I think I think you do Mike and I certainly do as well we have our own groups where we we um, hold people accountable for their progress and it's amazing how quicker we can get towards our goals if we've got that mechanism in place. Mm. Uh, just for a matter of time, I want to ask a question about social media because I'm very aware that social media can take up a vast amount of time. We can really faff about with it because there is so much potentially what we could uh, you know, look at and use. What are your tips for making sure you don't waste your time with social uh, media? Two, two tips here, basically, two primary ones. One is schedule it, discipline it. Um, so if you're going to give yourself half an hour every day on uh, LinkedIn, Bebo, YouTube, whatever it happens to be, then stick to that half an hour uh, because suddenly you find if you complete uh, a timesheet for the week, you could quite easily have spent five, six, seven, eight hours or more. And that's down to time that could have been used or better used in business development or proposal writing or client solving uh, solutions. The other area as well, though, is, is, is the partners, the people who actually take control of that for you or work with you on it. Uh, and me, with a, as, a, as a small independent business, uh, I outsource that. And so I have a team of people who have a job title of make me look good on the web, which is not me having an ego. It's just because I'm not the best on the computers. Yeah, I, I like them. I enjoy them. But I don't have that... Uh, mindset that wants to spend all of his life getting under the, the skin of it and understanding all the areas. So I outsource that and that stops me from fiddling about on SEO sites from dawn till dusk and wasting lots and lots of time and effort. Uh, okay. Uh, so do you have a view in terms of what you think is, you know, what particular sites and things you think are the best ones for people to focus their energy on? Because there are so many of them out there. It really comes down to um, what you're trying to generate from them because, uh, uh, I mean, I picked up some business last week with a, a large multinational company uh, via Twitter 
and uh, that was sort of a connection generated through there, a request put out, and uh, and we were able to fulfil it. Um, and we're still waiting on conclusive direction that it's going to go ahead, but it was an opportunity that was created through that that medium. Uh, so it's it's things like Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and so on. But it, no matter how you dress it up, because of the advent of uh, smartphones and the way everything works, we are always contactable and we are always going to be able to use up time and effort on those sources. So it's, it's select the ones you're going to work with, commit to them, rather than trying to play on every single um, particular medium that's out there. Otherwise, you're just going to use up all of that effort on the wrong areas and it, it's not best usage of time effort. Great. Uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier on in the call was about uh, it was about um, other people in your team. If probably if you're working with a, a team around you, maybe in a corporate company, um, or maybe in your smaller business, um, that uh, that you know we have to make sure that they're operating efficiently. And uh, you know, so many twenty minutes a day can have a huge impact and two extra weeks a year of productivity. I mean, for those people with teams, um, how? How can we really help improve the productivity of, of others? A lot of that is really understanding uh, what, what turns them on at the end of the day. Uh, we all have tasks that we don't enjoy and those uh, that we do really enjoy doing. And it's getting the balance between what is the best thing for us uh, as an individual and as a team. So at the end of the day, a team is there to put uh, a particular job together, complete a project. And some people are better suited to different tasks. And uh, being told that you're not the best person at doing X can actually be a demotivator. So it really is, and this isn't faffing about as I would call it, this is very much investing the time uh, on those key personnel so that they understand what's going on, getting close to them and working with them so that they know where their productivity ebbs and flows, and then they can focus in on those areas as well more conclusively, rather than just everybody to trying to do everything and uh, it landing up in a bit of a bun fight at the end of the day. Right. So, so that's about allocating responsibility. Totally. And the, the discipline of following that through. So once the allocation is there, then you see it and you measure and you monitor. It's just like any marketing activity. And if you don't monitor and measure what's going on and what's successful and what's not, and then do a post-mortem when it fails to understand what we can learn about it to improve for next time, then it's just a question of uh, as making it up and winging it. And that doesn't help businesses develop or go forward, or individuals for that matter. I, d I do wonder when, when we're kind of mentoring people in our, on our, in our teams, whether actually that system that you mentioned about, and you, you describe it as the, the, the fafometer, um, but actually looking, sitting down with people and looking about how they use the time, I think could be a good one to actually use with them. How, how would you maybe position that so it doesn't seem like you're checking up on them? Well, it's, it's, it's that fine line of uh, Big Brother watching you. Uh, if, if you're sitting there, this, this is why with the fafometer mentality of not sharing it with uh, your findings with anybody else means that you'll complete it honestly. Uh, it's, it's like in a, a personnel review that, that we have in organizations. Uh, the last thing you're going to do is tell your boss or your director or an employee that you don't know the answers. Because what happens then is they, they think less of you and you're going to have less chance of getting the promotion that you want later in, in life. Uh, and so it's getting that balance of where you work together and, and, and understand what, are, what is the best way to, to motivate somebody? What is the best way to work with them closely? Um, so that the, the areas of yeah, time management is one, but 
we then work with the right people all of the time with the right relationships rather than sort of putting the wrong person with a mood hoover. Uh, the, there are certain environments where a particular customer does not fit with the person that you've selected that should be dealing with them. And we have to be honest about that and say, look, I don't get her or I don't get him. We're not, we, we clash. They would be better off working with somebody else. And businesses have to be grown up enough and open and minded enough to actually address the balance there so everybody is working on their best, best environments. Fantastic. Well, we're going to kind of leave the conversation there. Mike, thank you very much. You've been a great guest today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, I'd like to, if you want to obtain a copy of Mike's book and, and a transcript, there's actually also a transcription of a previous interview that I did with Mike that might be helpful. Um, that's available in the shop at bemoreachievemore.com. Uh, if there's anything, also I know Mike has um, uh, freely available um, his, his Fafometer. Um, I think he gives that away with his newsletter. Is that right, Mike? Mm-hmm. at uh, mikepagan.com so if you want to access that then you can go through that route uh, so again thank you very much it's been really great to have you on the show I'm also just want to mention next week's show um, I'm really excited about next Friday's show which is on how to network effectively um, Mike mentioned it earlier it's with Andy Laparta who in the words of the Financial Times is one of the Europe's leading networking strategies and also representing the United States we have the father of modern networking Dr. Ivan Misner uh, Meisner. he's the founder and chairman of BNI it's the world's largest business networking organization with over 6,000 chapters across the world I know he's uh, Andy's written books but uh, Ivan's also written 13 um, so when it comes to networking it doesn't get any better than that so do join us um, on the show. If you have any questions or feedback about any show, do feel free to write this on my wall at uh, facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore or email info at bemoreachievemore.com. It's uh, wonderful to hear from you. So thank you very much and uh, look forward to uh, communicating again with you next week. Have a great week. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Be